we've already done the commercial so that's it that's that's all we need to do yeah, excellent except say goodbye bye thanks, thanks for listening to, see you next time This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Flurry, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Uh, my name is Rob Minot. Joining me today, Mr. Ryan Flurry. Hey. And he's back. It must be me then. He is back, Mr. Steve Barkley. Yay, I'm back. Uh, yeah, it feels like it's been forever since we've recorded just the three of us. Just yep. the three of us. We can make it if we try. Just the three of us. Uh, yeah, no, it has been. It has been a while. I don't even remember what the. I guess it was the Christmas show. I think was the last yep. time that we uh, so. recorded all together. Ever since then, our schedules have been cray cray. Yuppers. Uh, but yeah, so it feels good. feels good to be back in the Guitar Dungeon for a new year, 2019. The Rat Dungeon. Yeah, how about you that? You want to talk about that? No. You don't want to talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> the guitar, the, the, rat, the rats are learning guitar. Let's just go with that. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, hey, listen, at least you didn't find a rat in your soup like that. Uh, I heard that's fake, but... No, 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 it's not fake. Well, I they, heard they found made it up. But... No, no, they found a rat in the soup... But the soup didn't come from their kitchen. They brought oh. it in from another kitchen. Oh, is that what happened? Yeah, yeah they make. Oh, okay. Yeah, so for those people who aren't local that may not know what the heck we're talking about or care, uh, we're going to tell you anyways. Oh, you're going to care. Uh, yeah, we, there was a local. Uh, what was it? A clam chowder. It was a seafood, I think, restaurant. Yeah, yeah, and that, they had uh, these bread bowls with uh, seafood chowder in them. And somebody tucked into their lovely seafood chowder bread bowl and discovered. There was a rat inside. Yeah, and the the YouTube video went viral and made a, made a bit of a splash here. So yeah, mm, rat soup, rat. Some people probably love it. I don't think anybody actually loves it. Bet you there are people. I don't think there are. Bet you it tastes like chicken. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It might if you skin it first, but I doubt. Yeah. I doubt anybody took the time to skin. No, it. No, probably not. Yeah. You know, hair caught in your teeth. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel bad for the rat, to be honest. Well, That's got to suck. I mean, why don't, what, what was he doing? Like, he, he, he fell into the He fell died into the happy. <laughs> rolling in dough. You don't know that. Yeah. He probably wrapped himself up in that bread and just, oh, this is so warm in this <laughs> oven. Oh, so I mean, warm. what would happen if you fell into a whiskey vat? He'd be so happy. <laughs> well, for a while, I feel like, uh, like there'd be initially, you'd be like, okay, this isn't so bad. You've heard that old joke, right? About the, the manager of the whiskey distillery shows up at this woman's front door and says, oh, uh, Mrs. O'Connell, I'm terribly, terribly sorry, but uh, your, your husband died at work today. He, she says, oh my God, what happened? He says, oh, well, he, uh, he fell into the whiskey vat and he drowned. She says, oh, that's terrible. Did he suffer much? He said, well, a little bit. We, we, we pulled him out three times, but he jumped back in. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, off to a stellar start. Yeah. Hey, Ryan. Rob. Uh, what are we doing today? Today we're talking with Tom Persky from Iris Vision. Hey, Tom. Uh, yeah, Iris. The legendary Tom Persky. Is he legendary? Oh, legendary. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's plug him a little bit. Okay. Who Who is he? Oh, he's this guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, what's yeah? Talk, well, actually, we should talk a little bit about the Iris Vision, like because the Iris is Vision is actually a pretty pretty popular little device at the moment. Well, it's 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 actually crazy popular right now. It's uh, it's our uh, number one selling head worn uh, CCTV system, mm-hmm. uh, and for good reason. It's uh, it's one of the cheapest ones on the market right now. It also has the widest field of view of any uh, of the head worn systems on the market right now. And uh, some pretty funky little features built into it that uh, are are quite unique and really, really well thought out. Oh, I'm telling you, wearables. Wearables are very popular. Hey, Tom. Hi, how's it going? So in the room with me, Tom, I've got Rob Minot. Hello. And I've got Steve Barkley. Hey, Tom. Hi, Steve. How's it going? Not too badly. Well, listen, hey, thanks for, uh, thanks for taking some time and, and chatting with us about uh, Iris Vision. Sure, sure. Well, why don't we start out and just sort of explain for the audience and anyone who's maybe not familiar with the product, just maybe give us a a bit of a product overview. Sure. The Iris Vision uh, headset is um, technology that's been developed with help from scientists from Johns Hopkins University, Stanford University, UC Berkeley, and uh, they... uh, decided to use at the very beginning the current uh, consumer product the Samsung virtual reality headset this um, idea was allowed us to offer uh, thousands of dollars less than anything that had been on the market because we didn't have to build a camera or a headset Um, we were specialists in the whole area of software development so uh, when a consumer uh, goes to Best Buy or other retail outlets and they've seen perhaps a, a virtual reality headset and they know what, already what it looks like, um, it uses a smartphone system uh, that's in front of the headset, which includes some optical magnification lenses inside the headset. So imagine if you're holding a, a very large screen like smartphone right in front of your eyes and then having the magnification uh, inside the headset make that screen look like a large TV literally right in front of you. So it's a very immersive view, which um, many wearables on the market don't have large screens and don't have them magnified up close to your eyes. Uh, In our field of low vision, we call it relative distance magnification. That is the closer something is to you, uh, the more satisfying and, and, and colorful and bright that it is. And that's uh, what Iris Vision offers. It has a, a headset that is uh, goes around kind of your forehead and, you, and the side of your, uh, your head, and it blocks out all light from the side. So it works very, very well outdoors. Uh, you can literally stand in, in the bright sunlight and... Uh, and use it or in any any kind of environment where there's lights coming in. Um, And the simplicity of it, there's no board running down to over a remote control unit. Everything is built in right to the side 
of the headset, which is basically a touchpad, uh, which allows a person to use their index finger to make some swiping motions in towards their ear or out away from you. And uh, so the magnification is variable. So for distance, for instance, you're going from about 1x to 12x, and then reading, because it's so close, it's actually about 20 to 24x for reading. Um, And what's uh, pretty impressive about the speed of the camera and the processor is that when you look down to read um, and then you look away, maybe look up to see faces or see TV and then look back down again, it's instantly focused. So there's no, it just changes uh, immediately when you go to look. So in any environment, whether you're looking close, uh, we call it near or intermediate or or distant tasks uh, on your everyday use of a, a low vision device and technology like this, you're getting, you know, bright immersive images with instant focus. Now, now, uh, what eye conditions are generally um, serviced the best by the device? So, uh, it, it was initially built and, and commercialized uh, in the spring of uh, 2017. And it was built uh, at first for those with um, age-related macular degeneration or eye conditions that have uh, a central vision loss, um, such as I have uh, myself, uh, a person with Stargardt's macular dystrophy, which is an inherited macular degeneration. There are many of those uh, types of things. Uh, Eye conditions like diabetic uh, retinopathy, um, optic nerve atrophy, albinism, all many, many eye conditions that respond well to the iris vision. And then within this last uh, several months, we worked hard at building a mode that you can just press the mode button and go to, we call it an RP mode. And this mode is used for patients with field restrictions, such as uh, glaucoma or retinitis pigmentosa. So imagine that if you have lost some of your side vision and you have a a restricted field of view, you can take the entire image that is projected, which is 70 degrees, and with a touch pad, moving your index finger slowly down the pad, you can take that image, the full image, and scrunch it down right into the area where the vision remains from, for instance, like glaucoma. Or let's say you have retinitis pigmentosa, which is more of a even more restricted field of view, like tunnel vision. You can just keep moving your finger down and move that uh, whole image so that you don't lose anything in the, in the context right into the area where your vision still remains. What's interesting for people with field restrictions like that, of course, is it's different when you look 10 feet away and then you look 2 feet away and then you look 20 feet away. There's no device that's ever been developed that can minimize and bring that image in, but can be changed on the fly. So by just in all those situations when you're looking at something, you just move your finger slowly up or down the touchpad to bring the best image for your your field restriction uh, uh, on the display unit. It works really well for, as I mentioned, glaucoma and other field restricting diseases. 
Now, the, sort of the wearable market, it, it's such a it's such a new. Well, I mean, I I guess it, it kind of it's kind of new. I mean, certainly in the past there have been uh, wearable devices, um, but the, but really, to be honest, you know, the technology just wasn't quite there yet to really make them um, either you know palpable for for the for the consumer. But but now it it kind of is. But it's it's still a very new market. Do you guys find it a bit challenging developing? Um, for that market in terms of, you know, it, it's really it's really like trying to hit a moving target because the technology is constantly changing. We uh, we have built the company just within the last year with um, senior and junior developers. Um, we've expanded the resources both for software development uh, and uh, research. Uh, we're doing quite a bit of research uh, projects as well as getting feedback from, you know, many practitioners in some of the major uh, hospitals uh, in eye centers around the country. So now it's just, um, it's almost we're, we're able to make updates to the device almost every other month, uh, sometimes small updates, some, sometimes larger. And because it's a Wi-Fi enabled product, we can push those updates to the device uh, through Wi-Fi, which is uh, no other company has that capability. And or what's really great is being able to troubleshoot if a person lives, you know, in the, a rural area and uh, we and they think they have a problem with the device, they can call us. We can log into their device, usually fix it in three or four minutes uh, without having to travel to somebody's home and so forth. So, um, but, but these updates... Uh, or whatever are so new and, and no one has really done these before. So what we what we're about to launch is uh, some very new and exciting things that no one's ever seen in a headset device. Uh, this is I'm talking about just several weeks from now uh, being able to, uh, for instance, build a, a digital content in, right inside the headset. And, and that will open a whole world of everything from a possible thing like Netflix or oh, really? YouTube or, or other things that can be displayed in the in the device itself. So, for instance, when a person, uh, there is a button, a mode button that can actually take a, a, a currently a photograph. Let's say if you're looking across the room at your family, you can take a picture. And then by using the touchpad, you can swipe in and make the movie screen that you're looking at larger and larger and larger. It gets horizontally and vertically bigger and bigger. So a person with poor vision can take a, a photograph or a, a, a photograph of a page of a book and display it virtually right in front of them. So that movie screen, that big 70-degree field can be expanded. And now we're going to be able to use that for the future for all kinds of digital content, which we're, we're really excited about. So things are moving fast, that's for sure. Uh, but we will be leading the charge in other uh, companies that haven't even thought of these kinds of approaches yet. And uh, we're pretty excited about it. So could you could you speak to us a little bit about what, what the advantages are of using uh, as a platform, a, a mainstream device like the the Samsung VR. 
yeah, we're really not manufacturing um, anything. We're, you know, and, and Samsung has been a great partner with us um, together uh, to help us to um, have the, the hardware working really well for us. But all the processing power, all of the, the camera, the best camera on the market, the best processor, fastest processor on the market, it's just a, a great help to our advantage uh, to be able to do and build this proprietary whole environment that works for people with low vision. And so, um, yeah, it's um, if, if you compare to some of the other uh, wearables that have been on the market in the $6,000 range, $10,000 range, right. uh, to be able to here in the U.S. Uh, retail at $2,500, uh, that's it. it yeah, pretty amazing. Let's let's actually circle back a little bit on the uh, on sure. the competition because there is there is some some competition in this space, but there's some some pretty significant differences in pricing, and uh, and and obviously some differences in features too. Where do you where do you see yourself in in the mix with your with your competition? Um, in the uh, arena that I mentioned, you know, being able to uh, continue to update and offer features with an in-house um, in-house develop, uh, developers that work daily uh, with the software team um, it's going to be hard for our competition to, to keep up um, we see ourselves already currently going to be way ahead of the curve and uh, of course there's always going to be more uh, competition there's going to be more Probably in the wearable market, my guess is this next year we may see, we may even see two or three, you know, brand new devices um, that we we haven't seen before. So you know, wearables are what's really taken over, and many people don't even realize it yet. But you know, I can see that five, six years out from from now, there may not be many. Uh, of the legacy devices like the closed circuit TV, uh, because these kinds of wearable devices will be uh, what, what people will be using for so many different tasks that a standard like desktop unit uh, cannot, you know, provide. With our mobile society, is just the way it is. So we see ourselves as, as being a leader and uh, being able to offer the the best pricing, the best features, the, the remote help and, and, and support, the upgradability, um, and uh, the, for, the, for the consumer, I know for myself, when I uh, began to look and, and use, I was a senior vice president of the uh, Chicago Lighthouse for 10 years. We had the largest, uh, we saw the largest number of patients for low vision in, in the United States, and we were able to do comparative studies, which was great for the consumer also, because they could come to the to the lighthouse and they could see all the wearables that were on the market, and actually in the same day compare them and contrast them. And Iris Vision at that time, which was about a year ago, was was selling about fifteen to one over uh, the other wearables, not just because of price, but because, as I mentioned, some of the functionality and, and the the immersive view is really so helpful for so many people. 
Hey, Steve, why don't you tell the fine folks about Canadian Assistive Technology? Well, Canadian Assistive Technology is a Canadian-based distributor of, guess what, assistive technology. I would not have guessed that. Uh, really? Oh, i got to work something better into the name then. <laughs> um, and uh, we do uh, all kinds of low vision and blindness aids, as well as all kinds of physical access aids and uh, accessible furniture, you name it. Visit our website at www.canastech.com. Rick, let me ask you about this. Chaos Technical Services. Chaos Technical Services. Don't sound so excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Speaking of repairs. We are the sister company to Canas Tech. Um, we do the repairs on uh, low vision devices, uh, uh, reading machines uh, for libraries, braille printers, and pretty well anything in between. We can be found at uh, www.chaostechnicalservices.com. Has, has, I mean, it seems to me that, that the real benefit uh, to both the Iris Vision and, and there's, there, you know, that there are other products that are like this, mainly ones that are built on uh, mainstream uh, products or technology. They're able to introduce new features into ex into the existing product base without yeah, huh? as much of a problem as it used to be. It used to be where where a lot of AT was just it, it it was developed. It was all you know proprietary technology, and that was what you got, and that's how it remained with those features until a new version, say, was released down the road. But these days, I mean, you guys are able to sort of introduce all these new features and and uh, new design elements into products that are that are already out there on the marketplace. So, do, do you do you really feel that difference when it comes to developing product these days? Yeah, I, um, there's there's uh, quite a bit of difference, and as I mentioned, we're going to be launching a major um, many new features that have never been seen before, just in several weeks with a the headset and what we're calling the Iris Vision Operating System 3.0. Um, other companies that have developed uh, generation products have had to, you know, scrap the the old hardware and, and build a, a lighter and thinner and uh, better device. And uh, those who unfortunately bought the first generation device, uh, now that they're on the third generation device, uh, cannot you know, incorporate the new features that, that are there. So uh, there's other companies that will, and probably, as I mentioned, the new companies that will be entering the marketplace that will be able to, to soon upgrade uh, and, and be able to, which will be able to help, you know, all the consumers. Um, but uh, we we feel right now that we, we are definitely the leader. Um, and, and stay tuned for things that are soon to come. You know, you know, it's it's actually really interesting too that you're using this, you know, a VR platform um, to do this because, you know, especially with the state of, of of VR as it is, I mean, it really is even as a mainstream technology, it really hasn't penetrated the market as much as I think, uh, you know, the the makers of this technology were hoping for. Um, and, you know, then it was sort of a, a similar situation, I feel like, with the Google Glass. I mean, when the Google Glass first came out, 
mainstream people didn't really know what to do with it. But yet, um, you know, makers of AT sort of took that platform and were able to build some really, really super powerful and useful uh, AT out of it. Um, and so is, is, do you kind of get that sense with, with the VR platform that really it's, it's, a, it's actually a very powerful um, visual impairment aid, but as a mainstream technology, it may not really take off yet. Yeah, and it's been really interesting. Working closely, for instance, as I mentioned with Samsung, their chief medical officer, Dr. David Wu, is um, talking about Samsung's ability to work with other companies for what he calls it therapeutic virtual reality or therapeutic VR. So it's used in, in medical situations. It's used uh, to help persons who um, have difficulty, for instance, entering an MRI machine where they panic and they can actually go through a protocol where they can learn to uh, desensitize themselves. Oh. For people who are in uh, extreme amounts of pain, they've already proven that um, it can reduce pain for a two or three hour period for for patients who need uh, help and then using VR in all kinds of interesting ways. And so our, our company is looking at some uh, medical, uh, also uh, medical sorts of treatments or ideas of, of actually being able to, for instance, we're working closely with uh, Dr. Jeff Goldberg, who's the chairman at Stanford University, the glaucoma specialist. And um, for instance, those who have had a severe vision impairment where their their eye and their brain are not receiving the full image that that the brain suggests, there's degeneration that happens in the neural pathways between the eye and the brain. So imagine now wearing VR, being able to uh, get the image that the brain really likes uh, may slow down the progression or even be a treatment for eye conditions like glaucoma. Uh, we're working closely with the World Health Organization and being able to use the digital image to uh, take a picture of the front of the eye for an eye disease that blinds people uh, in underdeveloped countries around the world, uh, called trachoma. Uh, and, and this imaging can be sent back to a headquarters and uh, persons can maybe receive antibiotics to help them with their beginning stages of their eye disease. So we may uh, someday rule out, um, currently there's 20 million people with trachoma. The, the potential of 200 million people getting it could be wiped out in a matter of a year or two. Or These things have never been tried before. And so uh, there's a part of our company that many consumers don't know about that we're, we're involved in these kinds of studies and this kind of medical uh, uses. And Tom, you know, I'm I'm totally blind, so I, I've never actually experienced VR. And maybe Rob and Steve can answer this, but I've heard that a fair number of people who actually try VR can only last a few minutes because they get motion sickness or nauseous or, you know, yes. th th uh -huh. does yep. the iris vision yep. affect people with low vision the same way? We do see that. Uh, I, uh, it, it does happen, I would say. Not super frequently, but maybe, I don't know, 
in my experience, maybe maybe one out of 30 people may have uh, a little aversion or begin to, to have motion sickness. When working with our founder, Dr. Frank Werblin at, at Berkeley, he's the neuroscientist, uh, helped us to understand the studies and uh, what it basically says is many of those people uh, with with practice can overcome that within approximately a day and a half to two days. Um, and it seems like a, a great majority of people can do that. There's There are some that just uh, obviously just can't get over it at all, but most people can. Um, and that brings up kind of a whole thing about practice. You know, when you're uh, zooming in and you're uh, using a product like this, just like many other technologies, there, there really needs to be, you know, 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the afternoon, 20 minutes in the evening, using it every day for a consumer to get their eye and their brain uh, learning how to zoom in. And of course, when you zoom in on something and you magnify it, uh, you want to look at the clock on the wall, you lose your place. It's like, where did the clock go? <laughs> I didn't right. see it. So these things are just, you know, aiming, learning to practice. Uh, and then as we go into reading, um, you know, you're not going to pick this up and read the newspaper if you have a very severe vision impairment. I mean, our product works really well for people who are 2,200, 2,400. We even have some young people that do really well at 20 over 800 with high conditions like uh, levers. Um, but what we found is that I developed a sort of a practice uh, schedule in, uh, in a reading binder where we'd start with larger print with more space in between each line and then being able to over over several week period, help somebody understand that uh, if they do it every day and they get used to zooming in, they get used to aiming correctly, that uh, it takes you know several weeks, but over time that they can convince themselves that they get better and better and better. So we always talk about practice, you know, practice, practice, practice. Yeah, and I have a buddy that that uh, generally like he he will get motion sickness um fairly regularly like he can't he can't play like first person shooter video games or anything because he'll get mm. he'll get nauseous but yet he has a an oculus rift headset and uh he he games quite frequently with it and he doesn't really have any any problems with with uh motion sickness so mm. um you know wherever the technology is at i think that they're they're getting pretty close to to being able to um to decrease the the incidence of of motion sickness yeah um, yeah um, and it, you know it's only and it's yeah. only going to get better and for those who have not like seen a virtual reality movie and these are things that i'm sure we'll have uh the capability of doing down the road but uh you know i, I watched one where you're on a roller coaster you know so you yeah. can look down to, if you're up high and you can look to side to side and so there's a 360 degree movie and uh, what, I, what I was shocked at is I turned all the way around in my seat on the roller coaster, and I could see the kids behind me screaming <laughs> as, we, as we went down the hill. And I was like, wow, this is pretty amazing. Yeah, it, it, it really is an amazing technology. Um, you know, I, I, it's funny. I feel like we're right on the cusp of it, of it really becoming, you know, ubiquitous. I think the price point just isn't isn't quite there for the mainstream 
to really jump on board with it. And as a result, you know, you don't have the, the, you know, the numbers of people buying the platforms. So you don't have as many developers developing content for them. So even the people that are, that are, that are buying into the, the platform, there's not a lot of content and, you know, it just ends up sitting, sitting on a shelf collecting dust. But, um, once it does, it's going to be really incredible technology, you know, and it's, you know, it's funny, I I hadn't even really thought about all the, the medical applications to it, but it did remind me, you talking about that did remind me of a piece that I saw about, um, a senior's home using, um, VR headsets to help treat dementia. Um, you know, putting, Uh putting, putting, uh, somebody suffering from dementia into a, you know, a scene of a beach or something can be really, um, calming to them and, and help them sort of engage and, and, you know, associate with memories and stuff. So there's all kinds of therapeutic, uh, applications for this technology that, that, uh, you know, certainly go way far above and beyond just, you know, gaming or Mm -hmm. entertainment or movies. Yeah, I worked um, when I was in Chicago. I worked with a company called Embodied Labs, and what they were working targeting uh, medical professionals. So um, imagine that you put on a VR headset, and um, you, you're watching the doctor interview you, and you, as the patient now with the VR headset, have severe macular degeneration and um, maybe some severe hearing loss, and so by Teaching medical professionals, for instance, what it's like to walk into a doctor's office and have the nurse uh, talk to you or have the doctor interview you. Um, I thought to myself, wow, uh, I'd like some family members to try this out so they can understand what I live with every day. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty amazing. It was very realistic. Very realistic. Yeah. I want to share a, uh, a user story with you, Tom. Um, one of uh, one of my customers who who bought an Iris Vision uh, about uh, oh, two months ago, I guess now, uh, he took it on uh, safari to South Africa, and oh my uh, gosh. when he when he got to South Africa, the day that they were going out on their safari, for some reason something went wrong and the unit stopped working, so they called in a panic. I hooked him up with your technicians. They went down to the hotel lobby, joined the Wi-Fi in the hotel lobby. Your guys got them straightened out in about 10 minutes. Um, they went off on their safari, and they had a great time. And it worked fantastically, <laughs> apparently, for the for the safari. Wow, that is an amazing story. Yeah, yeah. And that's really what technology can do in, in changing, uh, you know, being able to to take advantage and do things that we never thought were even possible. I was an art student as a young man. Um, and so I studied uh, at the Chicago Art Institute and I was a painter and myself and I was always good at art. So that's what I stuck with. And I lost vision. Um, I was diagnosed at 19 years old and slowly over a couple of years, I had to drop out of college. And uh, later with the help of uh CCTV technology. I was able to go back to college and graduate school, but um, in the last 40 years, I have really not been able to enjoy. And so the first thing I thought of was I'm going to the Chicago Art Institute. I remember the paintings that I loved, and it's been 40 years since I've seen them. And I anticipated I would be able to see them pretty well. Um, You know, I've used a small telescope with a small field of view to see things in the distance. 
when I'm standing six feet away from a Renoir painting and I zoom in and the colors and the brush strokes, but what blew me away was the field of view. I could see the entire painting all at one time. And my brain actually made like a little sound, like a click or something. And I'm thinking, what in the world was that? And I think because I had that painting in my visual memory, my brain thought I could see again. And the tears started coming down the side of my cheeks, and uh, I just couldn't, I just couldn't believe it. And so, I tell people, you know, things that you're going to re- be able to recover that you couldn't do before. You know, think about going to, uh, going on a cruise. We had a gentleman that signed up, and went on a cruise. You know, with people going to museums again. In Australia, we have been working with Vision Australia, a nonprofit organization. One of the fellows that I demonstrated to was a paleontologist and um, basically is out in the field now again with his iris vision doing doing his work um, and publishing uh, his what his findings are. So uh, every everybody's life is different, but many of the things that we all had to give up uh, can be restored again and it's a, it's a great feeling. So any other new features so think, you can uh, you can tell us about uh, at this point? So uh, uh, one of the things that is uh, coming for sure will be the uh, OCR technology. Okay. So being able to take a picture of the page and being able to uh, to have it read out loud, uh, which you know there's several wearables now that have that. We we built one a couple months ago, and I just wasn't satisfied with it, so we. We just decided to make it better than everyone else's OCR and, and just take a few extra months. So we're excited about about that. Um, one of the other features that I, because of my art background, and I always have been good at photography and landscape photography and so forth, was the ability to take pictures, to, of course, zoom in on them. But then we had no way to save those images. And uh, I was thinking of, uh, older people maybe who are watching their grandchildren play and all the faces that they make. And wouldn't it be great to take 20 or 30 pictures of your grandchildren and then go home and really enjoy it again. And so we will have a, a photo album will be one of the many features that we'll be uh, introducing in this next version 3.0. Excellent. Well, let me just ask the room this because, you know, all <clears throat> all of us here, you know, we've all been sort of involved in the in the AT field for for many, many years. And, you know, especially the, um, you know, the visual impairment community. Let me ask you about uh, the state of, say, the desktop CCTVs and now the wearables. Do you ever see do you ever see a point where wearables would actually just replace desktop CCTVs altogether? Would, would they ever be able to do that? Not necessarily, um, I don't think. Yeah. And, you know, maybe maybe Tom will disagree with me, but I think that, uh, um, you know, there, there's different technologies that work well for different eye conditions, and, and wearables don't necessarily work well for everybody, um, at least not in their current form. You know, maybe as, as fields of view expand, then, you know, maybe that'll that'll change but um you know there's still eye conditions where people need to make more use of their peripheral vision than they're able to through a headset currently i see and one of the things that i'm will be involved in with the software team will be 
the use of uh, what's called eccentric viewing, uh, which is a visual skill that um, people need to understand in practice in order to, to maintain and use their peripheral vision better. And so I'll be building a, uh, a regiment right inside the device that will help somebody understand where their blind spot is and then uh, not only find and be able to move that spot out of the way so they can get even a better picture, which is one of the things that I coach people now when I show the unit, when I have them learn how to move their eye without the unit, and then when they put the union unit on, for instance, somebody's blind spot may uh, be very large. If I look at somebody without the unit on five feet away, I might not see their entire head. That's how large my blind spot is. So when I put the iris vision on, um, I can see now the, mm-hmm. their eyes and their cheeks and their chin and their lips, but the, the blind spot might be covering their entire center of the face, the nose. So by moving my eye up and to the right slightly, now that blind spot is out of the way. Um, what's difficult for people who don't know how to do that is uh, as soon as they blink or whatever, the brain puts that blind spot right back in the middle again. And so there's a, there's a practice regimen that uh, that would help people to, we call it fixate and hold their blind spot in specific situations, like you want to see the color of somebody's eyes or something very detailed like that. And then um, to be able to build that into the software to teach somebody how to do that better and better. Um, so that that will come in and it's a little more sophisticated than what's on the market. I always thought CCTV companies should have built that in into their software years ago. Um, but those who need, you know, 60 times magnification um, may do better on a CCTV. I would have to admit that. Right. Uh, but we don't know yet. You know, um, I remember when there was only desktop units and and not the portable units, and so. It was interesting to me, like in Chicago, when people would come in and they'd say, you know, I want the large desktop unit and I want the small one. And so we're finding that, um, for instance, one of our distributors in Florida has kept track and has uh, been selling Iris Vision now for uh, over a year. And 65% of his customers already own a desktop CCTV. So um, I guess, you know, you could say it's a little bit of both, you know, sure. reading and writing, maybe on a desktop might not ever go away, but Iris Vision offers, you know, that plus other things that uh, are new and exciting to people. So, well, it's hard we'll to take. Where it goes. It's yeah. hard. It's hard yeah. to take a 27-inch CCTV off your desk and out to the mall. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Or even from room to room. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's for I'd sure. Be able to sit in easy chair i'll take a picture for instance of a book uh, or a mail comes in and uh, what's neat for me is i'm i'm six foot five so uh to, to bend over and look at a screen or a magnifying glass has uh, always been a pain for me so when i hold up the book uh with the iris vision i take a i look up above my eye level and take a picture of the page and then I set the page down, sit in my easy chair with my head in a normal upright position, make that movie screen nice and big, and then pan my head from left to right and read 
read the the letter um, right in front of me uh, in a comfortable chair. So these are kind of things we've never been able to do before. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's it's an exciting time for for uh, the the low vision field because uh, this technology is is only getting better and it, and it is incredibly freeing. And not only that, it's versatile, which is so great to see. It's so great to see that you know, products like the Iris Vision that you guys are able to push out all these new features and constantly be improving on the platform um, without any extra cost to the consumer who, who have already purchased the device. So, And I think well, what will happen for the feature, and it's only, it's only realistic that there will be costs for the feature um, because, you know, as hardware changes, sure. You know, we can do push software changes, but eventually, just like your iPhone or your Samsung phone, right? Um, eventually, you'll ha- you'll come to the stage where do I want the newest and greatest features, or am I okay with what I'm currently having? So we're looking at that very closely. As a, as a matter of fact, it sort of ties in together with with pricing for the future. You know, there may be a day where uh, you get a, a much lower price or down payment similar to a phone plan, and then you pay whatever, $99 a month, something like that, for your device, and over a year, you know, whatever, two-year contract, something like that, and then uh, as you continue to pay those fees, you get the latest and greatest hardware and software, and it's something that uh, we've looked at real closely and and are considering. Real briefly, can we can we talk a little bit about the um, the the actual hardware in terms of like how often does it change? Like, does does Samsung come out with a, a new version of the headset fairly regularly? Um, you know, I, I can I can imagine that as the technology improves and the screens uh, in inside the unit get better, um, it the 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 actual unit probably gets lighter. Is that is that right? And how often does that happen? Um. Well, that's an interesting question. The whole headset is about 15 ounces. Um, and so the newest uh, hardware change just recently occurred to the S8. Um, it's a much thinner smartphone, but it's also bigger. It's also wider or, hmm. or top to bottom. It's a bigger phone. So, um, you know, it, it's going to be similar to if you think about smartphone technology and uh, what would you say, three to four years, something like that. You're, you're at a point where do I, do I really want to you know, buy a new one or not? And, uh, and then the other issue, as I mentioned, is do you want to have to, you, don't, you, won't, you won't have to buy a brand new headset and a brand new phone uh, if you upgrade your, your technology with, and pay the full retail price. That, that doesn't make sense. So, if there's other pricing ways to, to you want to be the guy that always has the latest and the greatest, um, perhaps a plan, uh, a payment plan idea, uh, similar to a phone plan would be instituted. I think that's where we're going to see things change uh, in the future. Well, I think the other thing that would be really handy for people too is if there was you know a mainstream headset that you could draw, dock your own phone into, whether it's a Pixel 3, XL, a Samsung, you know, you don't have to have a yeah. specific device. Yeah. You could use yeah. your own device. 
Well, and they, I think they do have those. They do have headsets like that where you can just plug in your own phone. Well, there's Google Glass types of setups. That yeah. Yeah, they I don't think have I've all the seen features, one, right? uh, exactly, a yeah. couple of brands. Uh, Zeiss has, has one where you can use your own phone and, and so forth. So, uh, I mean, the whole issue of using it as a telephone, too, is, is not possible at this time. But maybe someday that'll, you know, that'll be... Uh, but with the digital content that I mentioned, you know, I think in the future we will be able to easily do texting uh, with your voice or email, voice commands, uh, things like that will be will be an, a natural part of what the upgrades will include. Well, if you've got Wi-Fi, you could do Skype calling. Yeah. Oh, well, that's true. Right. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. But you, but you know, it, it, it's interesting the consumer attitude these days because I think more and more as consumers, we really are demanding these these devices that do everything. Like mm-hmm. w- the w- the consumer dream is just having that one device that can do everything. We've really gotten away from from the days when you had a phone, but then you had you also had a. Well, it's a blind or visually impaired person. You'd have your portable CCTV. You'd have your Daisy Book player. You'd have your phone. You'd have your, you know, you know, four or five devices your in your backpack. Your sunglasses, your, your, your pocket magnifier. Yeah. yeah, I think our research in our field says that the, you know, the good uh, low vision user has six to eight different devices on a daily basis. Their software for for their computer, their sunglasses, their, you know, you name it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's so many things. Yeah. yeah, and more and more, it's just going to get to the day where it's just going to be all in one device, and hopefully that device is universally designed so it just works for anybody, no matter what. That's one day, the dream. that's the dream. <laughs> that's the dream. <laughs> okay, Iris Vision, make me coffee. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, you should incorporate Alexa or the Google Assistant, and I can just have a smart yeah. plug with my coffee pot plugged into it. <laughs> that's not a yep. bad idea. We'll be. All walking around that someday, all of us low vision people, you know, waving to each other uh, yep. across the street and and talking to Alexa at the same time. It'll be a, a wild, uh, a wild ride. Yeah, we'll, I, honestly, it's, we'll be just like the sighted people walking and texting and bumping into we'll posts. All be, and <laughs> we'll all be wearing the same devices. Yeah, that's right. We'll all be walking into posts. <laughs> Uh, well, listen, Tom, hey, we want to thank you so much for joining us. It was great, great conversation. Can you tell us, uh, anybody who wants to find out more information about the Iris Vision, where can they find you online? Yes, they can uh, at our website, irisvision.com, irisvision.com. And uh, we uh, are building a brand new website also. This probably will launch in two weeks or so. But um, if you go to YouTube YouTube and just type in Iris Vision, um, you will see lots and lots of um, neat videos and uh, research articles. And and, uh, Dr. David Rue, I mentioned this, he lectured recently at the Vatican with a big medical group, talked a lot about Iris Vision. Um, If you type in Tom Persky, you'll get a million YouTube hits. (laughs) because <laughs> I've been in the field over 30 years. But, uh, yeah, that, and, uh, you know, people can feel free to call me. Um, my phone number is 312-560-1823. And I'm available uh, just to talk. Because sometimes, you know, it's just 
one or two main questions that people have that you can't find on a website sure. or in a in a video. So uh, we're always open to d- doing that. Iris Vision toll free number is eight five five two zero seven six 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 five, and you can talk to um, many of our staff and uh, both sales and support. We offer, as I mentioned, support and remote support. There's no limit as how many times you can call us. So if you have lots of questions, that's fine with us, and we're not going to limit that for for any of our users. Awesome. Well, we'll be sure to include the uh, the website address in our show notes as well. All right. Terrific. I enjoyed it very much. All right, Tom. Thank you. Okay. Take care. Yeah, you too. Well, I mean, I I have to say, like wearables, man, wearables. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I really see in five years, um, you know, it, the the technology is just going to get better and better, and the headsets are going to get lighter and lighter. It it really, I, I really feel like it's going to get to the point where uh, it's just going to look like a pair of, of regular glasses. Yeah, and and you know there are um, there are other platforms out there that are you know kind of making that foray into um, uh, looking like regular glasses. Uh, the guys from uh, Visix, I believe, uh, Ryan, you sent me an article on that a while back. Um, they've got a new pair of glasses with a with a front facing camera and a little virtual reality display, similar to the Google 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 the Google Glass Google Glasses. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, well, one, they look really dorky, mm. uh, and two, the display is really small. Right. So not really appropriate necessarily for a visually impaired crowd. Um, unless you activate the speech out features on it, which actually do work fairly well. But, uh, but you know, yeah, we're going to see this technology get smaller, lighter, more, more directed towards the mainstream. And that's all going to be good for the pricing. And, you know, when, when guys like Tom and his crew can come around and, and, you know, write a piece of software that retasks it to something, you know, more specific, that's, that's always great because it just keeps that price down. Well, and just think, you know, like it was a, a number of years now that I think it was Intel came out with a pair of smart glasses and, you know, they look from my understanding fairly close to regular eyeglasses, but in the bottom corner of the screen would be kind of like a little heads up display. So you could actually see your GPS directions or you could actually pull up information. You know, we're not that far away from even something like the OrCam. You take that little camera mounted into, you know, the frame of glasses and now you've got your built-in camera into your frames, you know, with your Aftershocks Bluetooth bone conduction as well, and a heads-up display feeding you information. Like, we're not that far. No, well, you know, the, these new Vizix glasses do have the heads-up display. They do have the front-facing camera. They do have speech output, and they do have bone-conducting headphones <laughs> built into them. So, wow. so yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, you're, you're like prophetic, man. Damn. <laughs> Ooh, I called it. <laughs> <laughs> called it about a week too late. Yeah, really. And after you sent me the article about uh, it. I'll feel back a look. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting old. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, it's not far before everybody will be ri- riding around in horseless carriages. <laughs> That's my prediction for 2019. That's right. Oh, that's why people tune in. <laughs> yes, it is. The witty banter. Mm-hmm. I was going to say the, the prophecy, Ryan's prophecy. No. <laughs> All right. Hey, Ryan. Rob, where can people find us? 
atbanter.com. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> they can also email us if they so desire. atbanterpodcast at gmail.com. Where else can they find us, Steve? Well, let me see. We've got the uh, Facebook feed, the Twitter feed, the Instagram feed, all of which I am no longer a part of. My mental health has never been better. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And you know what? As of uh, a couple days ago, Canadian Assistive Technology has an Instagram feed. Yes, I saw. So you posted something. Well, now. Yes. How about that? And uh, you've already got 12 likes. I heard it. Well, I didn't hear about the likes, but I heard it was my picture. Don't know where you got the picture from, but. Yeah, I got a, it's right. There was a picture of Steve uh, and Rick at the trade show and a picture of Ryan at the podcast. Oh, I got to tell you, okay, so <laughs> this this uh, optometrist out in, out in uh, Surrey referred this woman to us, sent her our PDF catalog. Yep. And she opened up the PDF catalog on her iPad and she's sitting there with her son who I guess helps, you know, advise her. And uh, he looked at the pictures that we had listed there and she, he goes... They look like a bunch of thugs. I wouldn't trust them. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? Us thugs? Thugs. Yes. You guys need to grow some hair. Thug life. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's funny. It's us. I guess it's all, the, all our, our neck tattoos and <laughs> that's right, our, yeah. our sleeves of tattoos. and The love-hate tattoos on our knuckles. Yeah. If you're not going to trust a bunch of white bread eating... Hey, you like know, us. we've got just enough knuckles to tattoo AT banter across the front of them. <laughs> we, should, we should all do that. We should all go get AT banter on our okay, knuckles. Okay, Ryan, anniversary show topic achieved. <laughs> That's what we're doing. All right. There we go. Excellent. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you all next week. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Music provided by bensound.com. Take. <laughs>